Okay, our fellow listeners, quick interjection before we begin with the episode. We really, really tried to fix this one. We had some serious technical difficulties. Part of it was because I'm using the crappy laptop and I have since upgraded. Part of it was because Jason is recording from a hotel in Denver at this point and the internet's not great out there. And part of it was maybe because the Salty's laptop battery was failing at one point. Who knows? The point is, is that there were some serious technical difficulties with this episode, but I think we did it to a point where it's so salvageable. There's going to be some points where I probably cut in and out a little bit, but please be patient. It's still a great episode. We still have a great conversation, and um, hopefully you can work with us through this technical difficulty. We've already taken steps to make the podcast better and improve the quality, so um, hopefully this is just a one-off thing. Anyway. Thanks for watching the show. Okay, here we go. Back to Tabletop and Beyond. This is our Winning War Cry segment. This is the segment that I have been waiting, waiting for since we got back from Adepticon. As usual, we've got Jason in the house and Dan, the Salty Sea Herrera. You are here with us. Thank you, boys, for joining me on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you, as always. Yeah. Um, as uh, we kind of mentioned in our previous uh, podcast we did an overall sort of uh adepticon we talked about you know uh doing um some of the war cry we didn't really get into lists or wins or stuff like that just our overall impressions we talked about Frostgrave that we had a, a great time playing with um on that saturday and just overall like how much fun that we had but it's always great to see the community in person right like just being able to hang out together go get dinner together talk shop a little bit, have some of the best pizza in the world there in Chicago, you know, some, some Chicago dogs and stuff like that. It's a really great time. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's on, in the, on the screen here with us, Dan, but it's even better in person, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Yeah. So today we have a pretty interesting show. We're going to talk about uh, Bone Splitters. And I know that this isn't one of the factions that kind of came out, but uh, it's fun to kind of revisit some of these uh, maybe over overlooked factions that um, you don't hear too much about. And I decided to take this to Adepticon, so we figured maybe it would be a good time to sort of review how well they did in a competitive setting and some of the tricks and trades that they have and, and how to build them. So um, pretty good there. And then we're going to obviously go through our Adepticon experience specifically with Warcry. The grand tournament was on Thursday and then we had the narrative on Friday. And so we want to just kind of give our impressions of that, that we did and you know, what, what successes that we saw, but as always, first let's get to our hobby table. Jason, you are in a hotel tell right now what's yep. on your hobby table there buddy <laughs> i got two water bottles a mouse uh some work laptops no 
Uh, back home on my hobby table is uh, actually a, a, a legion. I got back from uh, Adepticon or uh, yeah, Adepticon and said, hey, I want to build that legion box that I bought while I was there. So I, on the way out of Adepticon, I was able to go to one of the vendors that didn't want to take stuff back with them. And so they had discounted their Star Wars Legion pretty heavily. So I picked up a Blizzard box and um, I've got it fully assembled and now I'm painting it, currently painting it right now. So I'm having fun with that. Cool. Yeah. And that what, is uh, what if comes I'm not mistaken. In that... Go ahead. Oh yeah. Just what Sorry. comes in that box? Which, uh, which things are you, you said Blizzard box. Is that like a recreation of Hoth or what's that? Uh, yep. So it well, so it's got uh, an ATST. It's got um, I don't know something like something like uh, four times something like eighteen or twenty um, uh, snow troopers, and uh, yep, and then um, two, three, four, five, six, six, yeah, six. I think of the uh, speeder bikes that you would see on um, on uh, indoor, but in a snow theme as well and then darth vader so oh, cool. it's enough okay. to yeah it's enough to build with the cards to actually have a complete um list uh what is it a five or six hundred point i think it's 500 point no 600 800. points 800, 800 yeah thanks it gives you a full 800 points out of the box um there and uh so so it's an easy way for me to get into legion to try something out and to have fun kind of building up uh some building up some star wars models so i've been playing I've been playing Star Wars uh, themes on my m uh, music in the background while I was assembling <laughs> and painting them. Cool. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> That's me. Awesome. Dan, what's on your hobby table? So I have not painted a single thing since Adepticon, and it kind of feels great. Um, I'll probably start painting again pretty soon, but... Yeah, I've just been very lazy, and it's been wonderful. Um, oh, no, that's a lie. Oh, I blocked it out because I hated it so much. I painted, I spent a whole evening painting the trim on some Zangors, and it was awful. It was, it was the worst. I... I am going to finish painting this crew of Zangors. I want to have this warband i want to fully paint them but man afterwards i'm never going to paint them again if they you know if they change up the war scroll on zangors and make them so that they're 50 points each and you run 15 of them in your list i'm not going to be painting Still not going to do it more. not going <laughs> to do it <laughs> the amount i've got is the amount i'll always have because uh once i'm done with these i'm never painting zangors again there's just so I thought that I would really like painting them, and I really liked starting to paint them because they're bestial, they've got like feathers going around, it's all this kind of natural stuff, it seems like. And then you notice that their armor, it's just a patch in the middle, like their belly buttons and their, um, their really useless leg armor, like it, basically their knee pads. Um, but they they're naked from the knee down and their their thighs don't have armor but they've got these knee pads and their armored knee pads all have incredibly delicate trim and their belly button armor all has incredibly delicate trim and uh metallic paint 
isn't the most fun to paint trim with, right? Because it's it's not as delicate as regular paint. So so that was no good. Oh man, I, I can't believe I forgot that I'd done it's that. It's funny right? to it's funny that you said they're naked from the knee down. Because when I wear shorts, I don't think I don't walk around thinking, hey, I'm naked from the knee down. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, now I will. Now I will. You're wearing shoes on your feet. Maybe. Basically. Maybe. Oh, I mean, who knows? Yeah, who knows, yeah. right? <laughs> Heck, I could be naked from the knee down right now while we're on this. Uh, no one will know. Absolutely good. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Justin? Um, so I have a whole bunch of bone splitters that need to be finished. Uh, I painted just enough to get ready for Adepticon. And part of that was because I was sick for a little bit and I just didn't get through it. But um, I was kind of rushing to get all of the ones that I needed done, like my exact list. And like you, Dan, I kind of have been like, uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow mm -hmm. I'll paint and just kind of being a little lazy with it. Um, but they're sitting here mocking me right now, telling me like, you need to get me done. And, and like all of their skin is done. So I just need to paint the details. And fortunately with bone splitters, there's, there's there's not actually that many details. There's a whole bunch of bones, which like I use the contrast paint for the bones just to make it easy. And um, there's some bits of leather and like a couple of sometimes they've got some uh, obsidian and, and then sometimes they've got like a little bit of cloth, you know, and like that's really it. And it's it doesn't take a lot to to paint them. Um, it's not terribly complicated. So, um, and then I also did a whole bunch of war paint on them to make it have to focus on face details, you know, like make the faces pop. Like I could just do like cool. war paint on their faces and that was like good enough. So yeah, yeah, I'm thinking I'll get the rest of them done in, in, in a little bit and that'll be nice. Nice. I like painting orcs. Orcs are, yeah, every variety of orcs are just really chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, I've, I've realized that I've got a whole bunch of things. I listed out in our discord server, all of the things that I have in the queue of my pile of shame. And then I read <laughs> it to my wife and that was a bit of a mistake, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a meme I've seen she, yeah. <laughs> of, uh, the, <laughs> the wife being like, Oh, thank God. I thought for a second you'd spent 300 bucks on this hobby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Her being, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I think about every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when I listed out everything I had, uh, Javi Martinez, who's in our Discord chat, he goes, Justin, that's not your, that's not your backlog. That's the Huzzah Hobbies inventory. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the viewers can see a lot of your backlog right now, right? <laughs> All that stuff looks like it's still in the plastic. Uh, uh, yeah, well, so that all that stuff is actually boxes that have terrain in them. Oh, and okay. Most of that terrain's painted, but yeah, yeah. So that's just my storage. Right. But all this right here that I'm pointing to, yeah, those are unbuilt yep. models. Um, oh, that no. are there, right? <laughs> and then the, there's there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple shelves down that way that have a whole bunch of Space Marine models and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then you can probably see behind the microphone right there. 
that's my unopened yep. blood hunt uh box that i haven't even opened yet <laughs> you know so okay and then and then you know i've just got minis upon minis like that's are off camera just waiting to be painted mocking me so yeah, yeah. Speaking of Good terrain, there, though, though, finally we get one of these um, Gur boxes with a really cool variation on the terrain pieces. I I really like the uh, the bamboo palisades. I can't wait to see someone who's gotten two sets of them just do like a little bamboo fort as their terrain for a board. I think that'll be really cool. Yeah, I thought the blood hunt terrain was probably the strongest one for mm -hmm. sure. I thought so, too. You know? Um, I still think it's a little in the light in the terrain department, especially when you're asking like 200 plus dollars for it, you know, yeah. but, um, I, I still think it, it was the strongest design for sure, you know? So yeah, like it is it. tough to compare any of these to like red harvest, which was, right. you know, that most recent one before this and, and just had an absurd amount of terrain. And then, you know, of course that original box too. Yeah, I thought that the um, the core box obviously was probably the best value because I think that came out at like one hundred and fifty dollars or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. And it has yeah. so much. You could do more with that with the box. Yeah, I mean, so it, was pretty good. <laughs> it it hurts to just kind of go back in time and think about how awesome that box was, but and how we'll never get anything quite like that again. But um you know that's how it is when you launch a game you always kind of the companies always get a little bit more generous with the first offering than they do with any subsequent ones and i think it's reasonable um although dominion is pretty is pretty gener generous and that was the third edition of of aos so who knows maybe for the third edition of warcry we'll get a ridiculously generous box like that Yeah, so um, let's uh, – thank you, thank you. Let's talk about um, Warcry News. We had mentioned before the podcast that there wasn't a lot of news coming out, which isn't surprising given all of the um, – 40k 10th edition stuff that they're leaking as they're kind of going along uh, getting ready for the de debut and we saw that at the Adepticon preview that they hadn't even listed Warcry as one of the uh, things that they were going to talk about uh, the, the kind of big news and I'm not even going to classify this as news this is like Warcry rumors slash scuttlebutt that came out was uh, a photo leak that dropped on Imgur did you say Imgur or Imgur? I, I don't who knows man I it's one of those like do you say GIF or GIF do you say Zine or Zine one of those made up things hey Dan you're muted I was just saying that I'm team GIF everyone I play magic with is team GIF because they're all monsters but it can't even be like an angry blood war or anything because I'm the only yeah. one on team gif. So <laughs> the same it's, it stands for graphic. Right. Exactly. Right. That's, that's yeah. my thing. With it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, speaking of graphics, we, 
we got left out of the Adepticon preview because they just decided we're going to do some guerrilla marketing and uh, you'll get your own preview as they kind of dropped these. Uh, supposedly it was a shipping situation or something like that. Um, we know that some people don't like to see leaks, so I think we decided not to put it on screen here, but um, there were some potato cam images that you can just barely see of a Flesh Eater Quartz warband and uh, some pretty good pics that you could see of um, of some Stormcast. Jason, did you get a look at those? What did you think? I haven't. I haven't actually seen it yet. I've been with work traveling and stuff. But um, oh, Jason disappeared. Um, he uh, he left to go look at the pictures. I think. Uh, Justin, did you get a chance to see? Right. Justin, did you get a chance to see the uh, Stormcast? I did. Um, so at first, when I when I looked at the Stormcast, um, because it was like all in like sort of a booklet thing on that, like in the images, I was like, oh my gosh, they're just reboxing uh, Xanathay's crew, right? Or what? What? what right. wait, I can't remember the name, right? But it was like mm -hmm. um, from the um, Kalthia Xandar, uh, yeah. Yeah, Xandar. Yeah, Kalthia Xandar's group from um, the uh, water adventure in the underworlds or like the under <laughs> underground maids or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yep. But um, I was like, um, what? You know, I was like, oh, great. They're just reboxing this. And, and then I thought like, well, I wonder is like, are they just going to rebox a whole bunch of these? Like, you know, like, are they going to take all these underworld bands that maybe didn't sell as well and just repackage them as like sort of a light war cry battle box? That you might get like two different factions as a war cry box or something yeah. like that, which might be cool. That might be cool. But then I saw the pictures that showed that they were um like there was that new Stormcast list, and and um there's like what four or five models in there. Um they look like some bruisers for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think it's gonna be only six fighters in the whole war band with with mm -hmm. like you said, like four or five different uh, different options that you can build of them and that's pretty cool they've never done anything like that before i don't think they've even gone down to seven before so it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do for stat lines what they do for abilities because you know every warband has had like at least one pretty unique mechanic that's kind of come with them which is kind of neat and so y'all yeah, be interested to see what they do for these guys Yeah, it'll be good to have, um, you know, another order warband. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day as I was reorganizing my hobby room and making sure I had shelf space for different, um, you know, Grand Alliance warbands. And I was like, okay, well, you know, outside of Chaos, Border actually has quite a few warbands that are there, right? They've got the um, Canite Shadowstalkers. They've got mm -hmm. the... Um, uh, the uh, new Huan Chi that came out, and um, I was trying to think of the other one. Maybe I was lumping the Sylvaneth Warcry box in with that too, but that doesn't technically count as the war bands that right. we're talking about, even though it was in its own box. But um, uh, yeah, it's not. But they do have two. They do have two already, and so getting a third Stormcast one, I think, is kind of interesting. Because we have yeah, zero destruction ones. 
<laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of folks upset about that, I think. Um, what what destruction faction would you want to see get a uh, a warband next or first? I guess what would you want to have as the first one? For hmm. me, I think I would like to see a flesh eater quartz one. They're not destruction. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Oh, sorry, that's death. All right, so I answered death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but I, I am excited be... for the potato cam pictures that we saw of the new Flesh Eater Quartz uh, warband. But mm-hmm. um, but we didn't see enough to really draw any conclusions at all. They're all pretty pretty pixely, pretty uh, like you can really barely see them. But um, yeah. but yeah, for destruction, which one would you want to see first? I would say I would like to see. Oh, it's that's hard because we have some really good orc underworlds models already, right? That's we've true. got some iron jaws ones, we've got some bone splitters ones, and we have um even some um of the uh, of the boys ones. So mm-hmm. it would be kind of cool to see a big wog style warband where you have them kind of mix. Like maybe you've got like one big iron jaws bruiser, you got like a couple of like agile bone splitters guys and you got some other like maybe shaman-esque like cruel boys like just have a big wog all together that'd be really cool actually yeah i'd be into that definitely i'd be really excited about that what do you think jason um i don't know i think uh that destruction had a pretty strong showing um i think I kind of feel like every now and then when they want to bring a new war band, w- when we get a new box is because they're trying to either introduce a completely new war band or they're trying to beef up one that hasn't had a lot of uh, a look. Although the Sigmar, the Sigmarites is a little interesting that uh, we think that would be kind of a release. Cause I feel like we've got a lot of options for um, the Marines, you know, Sigma Marines, whatever you want to call them. I feel like there's a ton of options for those out there already to get another box and war cry is interesting. Uh, but in, but that's not a destruction answer. I'm not really sure. You know, I, I play ogres and destruction just cause I had them and I don't really, you know, I'm not a big orcs fan, an orc fan. I don't mind orcs. Sure. I just, I'm just not a, they don't, they're not the thing I look to put on my table. So I, I don't know. I think, um, I think it'd be cool to see something other than chaos. I think chaos was the original push in Warcry, and it's cool to see other things. But I, I kind of, I'm kind of a death guy, you know. I, I think I know I'm not answering the question, but I'd, I'd like to see more death stuff, like the seeing the vampires and the soulblight stuff pop up and the flesh eater courts. I feel like it's, it's cool. I, I feel like I haven't seen a really strong death um, presence in tournaments. I know that they're there and they happen. But it seems like destruction's really been pushing its way hard to the top is something people are afraid of uh, lately and and the uh, the the chaos. I don't feel like death's something that really gets talked a lot as as a really scary thing right now in Warcry. I think at least in the American meta, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. And something that you really That's a good point. just brushed past really quick was if whatever destruction warband 
they have you know has a really good leader uh all of a sudden it's like oh okay all of these other <laughs> destruction warbands are just gonna ally that in as another option now or if they just have yeah yeah just the whole kind of souping ability of destruction um kind of allows that with sort of I mean, the fact that they chose to have the Gabapalooza be able to go wherever they wanted was uh, pretty overwhelming. But um, the Europeans do tend to still play Soulblight Gravelords a lot, even even after the nerf. So um, I think part of it is certainly that, you know, a lot of the best players in the U.S. just really like Destruction. Um, it almost seems like a... You know, we have a small enough community that four or five people all kind of having a similar vibe to them uh, can actually like sway an entire metagame a little bit if, <laughs> if those four or five people are all pretty good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I have a, I have a thought on this now. All right. I think it'd be cool to see some sort of a giant race like the behemoths, right? The gargantuums. Okay. In Age of Sigmar, it makes sense because those models are so huge, they're so expensive, and they, you know, they they balance so many other points. You know, you'll see one giant model to like, you know, thirty other models. So I don't know how they would do that in a skirmish game, but I think it would be cool to see something like, you know, three three times the size of every other model on the table, where there maybe there you could only put four of them on the table. That the same kind of a concept that's in like AOS down in the skirmish side could be interesting, but that would require, I think, on a lot of rules, rules um, tweaking based off of you know the activation yeah. warlock, or maybe they, maybe they, maybe they're a special faction that has like three activations or something. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I mean it, that could be interesting. Yeah, having just run a monster in a tournament, I, I'm not super hungry to have more reactivation monsters going around but right man, i agree with you aesthetically it could be pretty cool if they could manage something where like the leader is 400 points there's two non-leaders they're each 300 points that's your thousand point warband yeah you put one in each deployment group and and that's it um that could be if they it could be interesting it yeah. be fun it could it would yeah, be right. really cool <laughs> yeah, it may be, it may struggle competitively until people kind of figure it out, but, but uh, yeah. it could, be, I think it could be really fun narratively. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, would these be basically the toddlers of the giant? So, basically, they're coming yeah. out oh, God, there and like good. their pull ups. Oh, that's good. You know? Oh, Justin. <laughs> that's perfect. I, I love it. it I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. So, it's the, uh, the children of Behemoth. Yeah, they're out there with their baby clubs or like little rattles, just like smashing yeah. things, you know. Oh, Grandkids of Behemoth. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Yeah, they would, people would totally, totally uh, put diapers on those guys. <laughs> you got to have one come with the diaper. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So funny. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing what we might um, see here in a little bit. I think the next big, big release that we're going to see is maybe the ACO. I think that's in early July. Or is there one coming up sooner than that? There might be something in Europe that they're planning to do. But the U.S. one, I think the ACO is where they'll make another big announcement. Yeah. So. I mean, I would expect to see 
a lot more information by the end of May. So yeah, I mean, it'll yeah. probably be a thing where next time we record, they drop a whole bunch of information the day after we put out our podcast <laughs> so that we yeah. don't get to talk about it. Um, so, that's what I imagine will happen. Let's see. That'll be so May 10th is when we will record this show again. So look for it on May 11th or 12th because that's been <laughs> the uh, the pattern. <laughs> If they if they really know what they're doing, they'll do it in that tiny window between us recording and putting it out there. So it'll yeah, happen exactly. and then people will click on our pod thinking that they get discussion of it and they won't. So hopefully that's uh, <laughs> GW knows what to do there. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to some bone splitters. Um, I'm excited to talk about them. They were one of the OGs um in warcry like they had uh cards early on in warcry 1.0 yeah. that you could use i rarely saw them being used and i think part of that is because not a lot of people were playing them in age of sigmar like it seemed like if you're playing orcs you're playing iron jaws and that's mostly just because um the rules for bone splitters have always been pretty they struggled. They always struggled. They even struggled when the new book, orc book came out. Like the mm -hmm. rules for bone splitters were really bad compared to even cruel boys and, and iron jaw. So, um, so you didn't see a lot of players playing them, but um, I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why you should absolutely consider bone splitters as your, your destruction army of choice. Um, first off, this is the first reason. You can build an entire warband with options from one box. From one box. It's pretty amazing. For some people, that's all you'd need. Like, as far as reasons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, the box will run you, um, like, I think it's uh, like $50 online right now mm -hmm. for a box of 20 of them. And you can go through and create your warband where you create the um, the sticker with shield. So it's like the spear guy with a shield, the um, the hacker guy with shield, the more boys, um, the arrow boys, and um, the um, big stabas, which are these guys right here, right? Mm -hmm. You can create all of those like leaders and regular troop guys with all of the models. And so you've got leader options. You've got, you know, cause you could have a more boy boss or a shield shield boy boss. You can have big stab in there. You can have your, your 80 point chaff unit. You can have your 95 point chaff unit. You can have arrow boys. You can have pretty much everything you need for one band that is going to actually, I think is pretty competitive. Like if you're going to be playing, other bespoke war war bands like that one box is fantastic if you wanted to bump it up to like a tournament competitive level um you probably need to get the savage big boy um who uh or sorry the savage big boss who you know i mean he's a he's the model with the big obsidian axe um but he i think he's only like 15 dollars on on the website like he's not very expensive mm. yeah. you know um so you're talking like for seven for sixty five dollars, you can have a pretty competitive war war band um, from this with lots of options, lots and lots of options. 
So um, I think I think to me that was one of the most compelling reasons why I wanted to try out Bone Splitters because I said, hey, if I could build something out of one box, this really could be you know enticing for some people who don't want to have to buy you know a couple of models from this box, a couple of models from that box, or have to find a half of a battle box from somebody, you know, and they're only using five models out of there. Like this one purchase, one or two purchases, and you're you're good to go, you know. Um, and we'll talk size. about the tournament later, but you know, you going two and two with it at you know one of the kind of more cutthroat from a list building perspective tournaments of Warcry I think I've ever seen um, yeah. kind of shows people that you can you know the hold your own with a budget list um, pretty reasonably. So that's really cool. Well, and I'd like to point out, and, and we'll talk about my list a little bit too, because I did ha- I did ally in some Iron Jaws to help out a little bit, but. Okay. Um, I would like to point out that those two losses came to Justin Orton <laughs> and Peter American Cabbage, right? Uh-huh. Cabbage, um, like who went two and three in the tournament. So, like <laughs> the two losses that I had were to the second and third place winners of the tournament. Yep. So, um, I thought all things considered, right? Those are two of the best players that I know, like yep. hands down, and they had two of the filthiest lists that I have seen too. So um, I thought that. So you should have come fourth. Okay. Is is what you're saying? You should have. been Yeah, fourth. I mean, you know, there's a whole question about points and systems yeah. and stuff. You know. <laughs> no, um, I I'm I'm happy with where they ended up. I was hoping to go three and one with them just to show that I could, but mm-hmm. I ran into Peter in the last round, and that just did not help my case. You know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, but yeah, so I like them a lot. The second reason to take bone splitters, I kind of mentioned earlier during our hobby table, they're super easy to paint. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and like the thing is, is with these um, orcs, I'm going to try to show them in the camera um, up close. Hopefully that it's kind of hard to see. They're kind of yeah. muscly, you know, and stuff like that. But the thing is, is they're like almost all skin. And so what I ended up doing is uh, doing kind of a zenithal prime with i have an airbrush but you could do it with a rattle can you know and then i dry brush sort of an ivory over it and i through my airbrush i kind of did a tint with um the um ethonian camo shade okay so yep. it kind of gave it made it sort of a brownish green and then i dry brushed again just from the top down so not everywhere just from the top down and then I did the whole, all the models in a Bealtan green, and that really accentuated the muscles and, you know, um, kind of bright spots. And I did the whole army, all the skin, in like a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole box, um, just because it was super easy to do. And now I got to go through and pick out the details, like the bones and the skin and some of the you know, obsidian or, or cloth that they have. But again, there's not a lot of it. They're, they're 90% skin. So if you can do, get an easy speed paint, slap chop way of like, whatever you want to call it, way of painting their skin, then the details are actually pretty easy after that. So, you know, so it's an easy box to get a ward band and easy to build and easy to paint and easy to get on the table quick. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think good. one and two kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot out there that are not easy to 
build and are, as you were talking about earlier, Dan, are uh, yeah. time consuming to paint. Yeah. Yeah. So the third thing, and this is going to be my point that leads us into the, I think the broader bone splitter discussion. The third reason to take bone splitters is they are super fast to run. They only have um, a couple of abilities that you really need to focus on. I mean, they got a whole page of abilities and we can talk about them here in a minute, but you really are only using two or three abilities to focus on that because the other ones just, um, they're okay. But the ones that you do use are stellar. Like they're really, really, really good. And so it doesn't take a lot of like complicated comboing to do what you need to do. It doesn't take a lot of like forethought. You just, you know, you just need to be able to know how to use what the abilities are really good well. And it just takes one or two games to get that under your belt. And then you can be um, really mobile and agile with these. And movement, we've talked about this a lot. Movement is king in this game. And if you can move these around the board and get them to where you need them to be, then you're already winning half the battle there with them, right? So mm -hmm. um, I, I think so. So one, it takes one box to play. Two, they're really easy to build and paint. And three, they're an easy faction to play. Um, probably one of the best beginner factions, I would say, if you're looking mm. to get into Warcry. Interesting. So Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we well, let's get into it then. Let's uh, talk about those two or three abilities that you love so much. Yeah. Let me pull. Let me pull. Because to me, the one that jumps out the most is, of course, it's got to be charge, right? That's um, where, as long as there's a visible fighter within enemy fighter within six inches, they get to make a free move for just a double, and then. They just have to finish closer than they were before. Um, mm -hmm. That's been like one of the great abilities in Warcry. I mean, a, a few factions have it, but they have it for every single fighter, which is pretty great. Um, were you charging a ton? Do you charge a ton when you play them? Oh, that's not what I wanted to show. It's a really small to see, yeah. Yeah, and that's not really the one small. I wanted to All show. Right, so this is some health memes. Okay, more. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is, good. this is good. That's really good, guys. What's next? That's really good. What's next? Oh gosh, <laughs> this is good. This is awkward. What other advice? Right, what other advice do you have for us today? You know, of embarrassing personal exactly. stuff to go up onto the screen. That's about as wholesome <laughs> as it gets, actually. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Drink water and work out more. I mean, that's that's a very My, uh... reasonable uh, public service right. announcement. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. Did you get it? It's coming up. Here we go. There we go. Hey, okay. there we go. All right. All right. Let me, I'm going to, are you serious right now? <laughs> <laughs> we got, we went back to the gym meme. What happened? Did What's you all tap? Here? I don't know. We've got to rename this podcast. No. I, be, I, be, I bet you what's funny is your wife is probably on the computer upstairs. Like, why does this bone splitter thing keep coming up on my screen? Oh my God. <laughs> what is happening here? 
<laughs> oh. Yeah, right. You hey, know, the funny hey. thing is, uh, they don't know. Oh, no, you're breaking up for me. Hopefully the podcast software is uh, is catching yeah, up. Yeah, breaking up for me, too. Breaking up for I'm me, sorry, too. sorry, guys. Let me ask you, while he's coming back, let me ask you a question, Dan. We talk about this a lot, right? How hard is it for GW to make quads that are good enough for you to not just want to take rampage every time? Sure. Mm-hmm. Because the quad on this one, it's add one to the attack characteristics, and if you kill something, then you can make a move. Like, why would you do this? Why wouldn't you just do rampage? It's pretty insulting that they name it Rampaging Destroyer. Just right. for, oh my god, I can't. I can't. <laughs> this has been the best episode so far. We've never done. We cannot uh, cut any of this. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, is this the skirts up a little bit? <laughs> Oh man, Justin, you gotta tell one of your kids to stop streaming. Listen, like uh... this whole podcast is being held together by oh bubble gum and uh, shoestring and bubble gum held together with bubble tom and bubble tom bubble gum and duct tape. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, <man>. Shoestring <laughs> and bubble gum and duct tape. Jason, okay. to, to try to uh, give the people actual Warcry content for a second, I agree with you. I think both of their quads. Um, they make me want to just rampage. Uh, and and they have some good rampagers on their team. I mean, the Savage Big Boss does it pretty well. If you want to get, um, if you want to pay some real points, the Savage Boar Boy Boss and the Savage Boss Maniac, those are the two uh, pig riding bosses. They're pretty good rampagers. So it's not like you're, you know, wishing that you had good quads and you don't have options. But I agree with you. Rampaging Destroyer, I can't see why I would use this instead of Rampage. I mean, it would have to be specifically you're already in combat against something that you're not going to be able to kill without that plus one attack, and then it's as good as Rampage. Is it even? It's not. It's not. That's that's the thing, right? Yeah, it's, not. it's not. In any way. It's not. I I just don't understand why this is even here. Because add one to the attack characteristics, so you get a most at most two additional attacks. Or as if you spend a rampage, you're getting the entire number of attack profile that you have attack characteristics, which is probably three or more. Yeah. And a move on. Yeah. Even on the Savage Big Boss, which you would think would be the ideal choice for this because it's three high-impact attacks, even then you'd still rather be rampaging. Yeah. 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 That's too bad. And then Mighty Wa, I could maybe see a situation, but it would be rare because, you know, you get a lot of move to that, and nine inches is a really long way. But, I mean, it'd have to be in round one. I think I think that's yep. the only time I would really use yep. it over rampage. Um, and and the problem is how often, you know, um, unless you get really crazy lucky with that roll in round one, how often do you want to spend a wild eye to make a quad in round one? Yeah, very rarely. Not I me. Mean, it's got yeah, very be, rarely. 
it yeah it because your be your really opponent is starting situation. yeah because your opponent is also starting far back in their deployment as well so right. it's yeah i mean maybe maybe if the mission type is specific and you just happen to get that quad it's like yes i can push my guys forward and, and get on the uh for my opponent to play more positionally defensive or force my opponent to play more positionally offensive because they have to fight through me but i don't know i just i look at these and it doesn't make sense to me like what like even writing it up like uh, i'd write it up and think this isn't as good as rampage but i'm gonna put it in here anyways <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean the rules writers for warcry are not stupid they know they know that yeah they know they know you're not gonna take Yeah, but we got it up now. Justin, what do you think? Um, I agree with everything. I never used once Rampaging Destroyer, and I never used once Mighty Wog. And you guys absolutely laid out the only times that you may want to think about using it, and those times never I didn't even think about them, right? Um, just talking about a couple of other ones. Um, that are just not really used a lot. So there's the triple here called Loads of Arrows. Um, this is only for the Arrow Boys, and their attack profile is terrible, so, so you really don't want to take them. Some Arrow Boys out of the box, just in case their profile gets better one day, then I want to use them. Yeah. And I had extra guy do that because it comes with 20 dudes in the box, right? So right. I built Arrow <laughs> Boys, but i would never going to use this, and it's just really not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that other, you know, Tusker charge, uh, and then let's which see. is the got... charge damage. Anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, it's another one where mm-hmm. I use it. When I have access to it, I use it. But I don't think I've ever once taken a fighter because I might have access to it, right? I've never built a warband around. It's like, half the factions in the game have this ability. If you play a fighter with it, you know, you'll use it once every other game, probably. Um, and you'll be happy to have it mm-hmm. when you use it, but but it's not not, not anything special really. I and I almost um I I almost have a little bit of a different opinion. I think that um I think that these these are very good utility because if you know you are going to move a fighter into combat to attack something um you're only going to get one swing right because you have to use one activation to move and another activation to swing well this gives you almost a free hit a free attack that automatically hits so if i even if i have a triple three i can move i can move in for my swing and i'm just going to Go ahead and do three wounds. Period. Right out the door, and then I get my attack. I, I've used it a lot with my ogres with their, um, with their charge, their bull rush charge or whatever it's called. On it's the exact same thing, but it's just called on yeah. uh, something different on the ogre, just to get that you know, just to get that additional damage to try to try to finish the wounds early. I, I think it's actually really useful if you get a triple to use this, but but I am with you. I think you shouldn't plan... I never plan a warband to where I have to have triples. Um, sure. I plan warbands with expectations on doubles, uh, and then the my wild dice I use to make a triple if I think, okay, I'm going to move in. I want to do some damage when I bull rush in there, or when I t- 
Tusker charge. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, th I think it's actually a little bit more useful. That's just my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I think, and that's an interesting sort of different take for war, war band creation than I think how I approach, because I often right. look for what are the strongest triples in the game and, you know, look for mm. things like coordinated strike or look for um, the old swift as the wind before it got, I mean, they nerfed all the triples I like, so I, I can't really do it anymore, but. <laughs> right. right, I like the old triple <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know lead from the back and uh and swift as the wind um there's still a couple of them in the game but but they're certainly becoming a rarer and rarer breed uh yeah <laughs> as we go along in second edition mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but what do you use the uh, most justin so the they got a lot of good they got a lot of yeah so um what i use the most honestly was the charge ability right mm -hmm. like that's just so good um you know you mentioned this at the beginning dan it's the universal ability i had every single fighter pretty much using it so like when i had you know doubles i was you know making them if i had singles, i was making them into doubles with my wild dice if i had doubles i'd just use them um if i had triples if i rolled a triple I would make that a rampage essentially, right? And use that with my um, use that with my savage big boss uh, because he is a beast with rampage. Like he is a hard hitter. Um, yep. But uh, if if I didn't I didn't make bulls. I never made triples. Like there was no reason for me to do that. So I either made doubles, kept the doubles, or I made triples into quads. Like that is that was my main management for the game uh, because they have some that worked with the, so the the list that i had i had um um two fighters that had shields um whether one had a choppa um i had two more boys and um uh the nice thing about them is they have like a two four damage profile and then i had um a savage big boss i had um a Gore Grunta with Gore Hacka, and then I had a, a Brute Boss as well. Those, those are my two allies that I brought in. Um, mm -hmm. But they have like a two shiv right here that's like, you know, add add on a three plus points to that fighter. Um, I just, like, there's no reason for me to use that. Like, I, I just would much rather get them to where I wanted them to be. I never, they were never really stuck in a place that they needed to like get that extra three points of damage on something. Um, that I needed them to do. I just needed them to be bodies, like the the ones that would use that ability. I just needed them to be bodies on an objective, that and not die, you know. Um, and this B Spirit Juju got Wardock for that, and I just did. There's no reason for me to take a Wardock. So, I honestly, in this whole list that's right here, um, I used the charge, and I think I used the reaction at one point where I was able to bring in a savage big boss when they, they got close to one oh, of nice. my little guys, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and th That's that was great. pretty scary. So, yeah. um, so I just used these two, right? The reaction gets stuck <laughs> in and charge. That's all I used this side. Use any, I didn't have a Like I didn't have a, um, I didn't need to use the weird squig thing. Um, and now, to be fair, I did have um, I didn't have the uh, more boys on the 
on the piggies, right? Like I didn't have those because I had a Gorgrenta. Um, and so I did use some of the Iron Jaws abilities. Like I for the brute boss, I used the um uh the Umesson ability a couple of times to claim an objective when there was a bunch of little dudes around, right? Um yeah. but to be honest with you, even with the Iron Jaws, I used the charge ability. <laughs> so I, I just used that a lot. That was like thing. Yeah, that seems really good. I think that and ritual dance fun. could be yeah. interesting. Mm. You know, an area heal. Yeah, they've been a little bit kinder to the heals uh, in second edition than they, you know, in, in first edition, all the heal abilities were so bad. And now this one at least is, is pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. The war dock. I'm not a big believer in that in that stat profile. Uh, this, you know, 155 yeah. points for you do get 22 wounds, which is kind of a lot yeah. for 155, actually. But but it, what is he doing other than healing? I mean, I guess you you've got to be in this idea that okay, if we're gonna get real weird, maybe not even in a Bone Splitters warband, but a single war dock and say a Cruel Boys warband where. Uh, you're not charging, you're not dealing damage, but those gut rippers are five points cheaper than the than the bone splitters guys, and you're just putting as many of them on the field as you possibly can and just healing them every round. <laughs> that would be such a funny, like just troll warband to uh mm -hmm. to bring to a event or to your local game night. Um I wouldn't want to bring it to a competitive event, but I think it could be really funny um in a lot of situations. I agree. I think the 155 for the attack profile, 13313, I mean, that's a chaff attack profile. And he does have the, it's kind of a trap to look and say, oh, he's got a 3-7 range that does 3-6 damage. Yeah, but it's only two attacks on with a three strength. Yep. It's You're rolling you're the dice twice. The fight, yeah. Yeah. And if you keep him out of the fight, it's going to be harder to heal people, right? So, I mean, sometimes you'll be able to do it, yeah. but but most of the time you won't be able to. So uh, it's he's, he's going to get close enough to where people are going to take him. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting, but yep. And it's one of those triples that like only one, you one model in the entire thing has access to that triple, just the war doc. Yep. So I don't know. Well, someone make the meme list of the war doc healing a bunch of friends and uh, let us know how it goes. I do yeah. want to see how it how it plays. Um, what leaders are you big on, Justin? Uh, number one is the Savion, the leader that he did. What's interesting is he has almost exactly the same profile as the rock gut Trogoth. Um, he's 185 oh, okay. points, uh, three attacks, strength five, five, three, six damage. I think the only difference is that he might be able to move. Energy. I could be wrong about that though. Yeah. So he's a little easier to kill. But, you know, he's got charge, which the Rocket Trogoth would would do anything to be able mm -hmm. to charge. Um, so I think that's why you're 
pay in a few extra points there. Yeah, you're right. He is like having a a Raka Tragath as your leader. That's pretty cool. Hmm. I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the boss I'm. Yeah, every other boss that I'm a big fan of. Like, I think that the. Well, okay. Let me let me say this. The Savage Aura is actually not terrible for 175 points. If you like the Savage Big Boss at 185 points. Because the Savage Auric Morboy boss has four attacks, strength four, three six damage as well. So he gets one pack at one less strength. But if he's going against T3 guys, he's going to eat. Yeah, that's a cool metagame call, right? I think, I think the meta we had at Adepticon, that Savage Big Boss is better. But I could see a lot of metagames where you'd where you'd rather have the more boy boss. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I like that they built that in there. The other boys Yeah, I do too. Um and, and I'm gonna tell you why I like more boys in general, um, in just a minute. But um but uh like I, I didn't have the uh boar boys, so um look the boar the savage boar boy boss, he's um He's actually not the same amount of points as a Gorgrunta, and I think that he he does about the same amount of attacks, strength four. I think the Gorgrunta has strength five. Hmm. Um, but uh, the Gorgrunta is two four damage. Um, I think the Gorgrunta is two twenty five points though. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Okay. I need to grab my compendium. I think 245 on the uh, on the Gorgruntas. Um but but yeah, pretty similar okay. pretty similar profile. Uh, it's 4524 versus 4425 basically. And you pay 10 more points for the uh, Gorgrunta. I guess you get a decent amount more health for the Gorgrunta. That's what you're paying the points for and you're getting, you know, um, yeah, 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 and mm-hmm. you know you get those extra two inches of movement with the uh, with the savage boar boy boss. Okay, and then for regular troops, who are you running, or or what are you a big believer in? How about? Yeah, let me. Uh... I was running. I had. Um... The Savage Auric with Champa and Bone Shield at 80 points. A Savage Auric with Savage Sticka and Bone Shield at 80 points. And let me tell you why I chose Bone Splitters in general. It was because of these guys. Like, these guys are 80 points, toughness in wounds. Like, they are really hard to get off the board at 80 points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would, I mean, personally, I would just always be so frustrated that gut rippers get to have the exact same profiles at five fewer points. But then again, gut rippers don't have charge. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you pay five points for charge there. You know, I'm the kind of person who I would just say, well, I'm only going to use charge on my heavy hitters and my leaders anyway. So, 
I don't want it on my chaff, but, uh, but you said you were charging with everybody. So yeah, that's reasonable then. Um, so one of the cool things, five points is not one the of end the cool of the world things that either. I did with these. Sorry, go ahead. Oh right. no, just that, you know, what, one of yeah. the cool things that I did with. Yeah. Sorry for our listeners. I think I got a little bit of delay on my end, which is why I'm kind of talking over Dan. So I apologize, but the cool things that I like about using charge with these little guys is what I called the rubber band effect. Okay. So, so I would charge them. They would move four inches and they would go one inch away and then I'd be able to run them and it, you know, like, or double move them an additional eight inches because they went four inches. So I basically would slingshot them past guys to go capture objectives. Um, so yeah, I mean, I used them on, you know, if I, for example, my, uh, Gorgrunta was stuck in and he needed to light and these guys need to cap objectives. I was totally using charge on these guys, but not to get into combat. I wasn't using them to get into combat. I was using them to get closer and then being able to use a double move to like shoot past the dudes or, or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was to get to them into a better position to cap it something or sometimes maybe down as a speed bump uh, yeah, i use charge on these guys too like why not that's interesting so let me let me kind of replay that so the way charge works right you play use a double as long as there's a visible enemy fighter within six you make a bonus move and you must finish closer to the closest visible enemy. so that's a standard kind of approach there so as long as you use that double that extra move and you end it outside of one inch you can then swing around with your second activate with another your active your move activations so you can move one get them within six use that double maybe not go all the way to stay outside of one and then use your second activation to move again and move around them is that what you're saying Yeah, I've done that with flesh hounds, so I assume that's what he's saying. Um, and yeah, it seems pretty solid. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. What often is, yep. Sorry, sorry. I'm super delayed. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, exactly. So I did that with all of them. So I had uh, the Savage Auric with Savage Stick and Bone Shield, uh, Chompa with Bone Shield, and then I had two Savage Auric More Boys. And the reason I upgraded these guys to More Boys, they're 95 points, um, but the reason I upgraded them to More Boys is because they had three attacks, strength four, two, four damage. That two, four damage actually went handy so many times. They would be attacked, or they'd have to get into some chaff and do some attacking. That that strength four, two four damage against T three, um, you know, toughness three opponents, they would eat through chaff pretty quickly, and they usually would get like the de deciding points and kill off some models that die. Um, the only damage that they have are only toughness three, whereas the dudes with the shields are toughness four, so they die a little bit faster than um the guys with the butt using these guys in a more of a bit of an offensive capability and less of a defensive one 
um, they can hold their own quite a bit. And actually out there that more boys are coming after me, you know, and, and they, they kind of did their thing. So that was pretty cool to see. Okay. Um, okay. So list that I had the um, Gore Grunta with Savage uh, uh, with the with the um, Gore Hacka. So he had eight inch movement, and then I had a um, uh, I had a uh, brute boss with the, uh, choppa. So he could do some major damage. Um, I'm going to be honest. I thought that the brute boss was hit or miss when I, when he hit, he hit hard and was amazing, but I had a, a hard time getting him to in tournament. So there were two, two or three games where he was a non-factor. Like he just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. And, uh, um, I think I would have rather had another, savage uh, or another big boss actually that had a little bit more movement or even some of the savage big stabbers i think i actually would have liked having them um instead of maybe the brute boss i think he was a smart choice for you knowing that we were going into for people who don't know this adepticon could have been anything they didn't tell us at all what the missions were going to be before yep. the tournament so right. we just had this list of 12 and it could be anything and uh the to ended up choosing like a really brawl heavy pack so just get in your face and fight and that really just being the essence of what was going on and if the to had chosen a more objective heavy set of missions then i think you would have been really happy to have that brute boss right because he would have been putting you messing just like all over the board every game and it feels like a lot of the time in close games you messing can be the difference between winning and losing but yeah it, it makes sense what you're saying if it's not in an objective mission is he any better than than another in-house leader yeah probably not Yeah, totally. Um, I totally agree. Um, and uh, I, I think that um, you know, there's 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 definitely a lot of different things in here. I would have been interesting to see what I could have done with some extra points if I had brought in the Boar Boys rather than the Gorgrunta, or maybe dropped the Brute Boss and brought some Savage Big Stabas. Maybe I could have like finagled a couple extra points to get an extra body on there. As it was, I had. Seven bodies. I feel at least. Oh. I couldn't hear you there for a little bit, but I'm sure our listeners can. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> what's so. next? Oh. <laughs> shoe shoestrings and peanut butter holding okay. this uh, particular episode together. <laughs> That's... <laughs>
Okay, so we had some technical difficulties, but we are forging ahead. I think uh, I think we're doing a little yep. bit um, here. Uh, so Jason unfortunately had to drop. Um, we can't tell if uh, his, his feed from his hotel room was kind of messing with things. It's probably a combination of several things, but alas, we are here, and we're going to talk about Adepticon now, Dan. Um, now, just to uh, you, you've already talked about Adepticon. And um, I don't want to like retread a lot, but what I do want to do is talk about sort of our experiences there, what we thought of the tournaments, and we can we can talk about some of the lists. I know that Warren just put out a whole like analysis of the list and stuff like that. I don't know that we need to go like in depth about all of that, but maybe some trends that we saw, uh, some other things. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, keep so it, keep it light but informative, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So one of the interesting trends, um, you know, of course, brew gets everywhere. Uh, <laughs> three of the top yeah. five, I think, yeah. were were brew gets, uh, were destruction lists that were holding brew gets. Um, and, you know, I said this in one of the choppier sections of our sort of technical difficulty part of the stream. So uh, it might get edited out. But the fact that tournament director picked a really brawl heavy a really fighty uh mission pack certainly helped make the brugits look as good as they could possibly look um that part's mm -hmm. definitely true but man those things are terrifying all those destruction teams are terrifying in any kind of sort of fight heavy scenario and a lot of tournaments a lot of gaming is going to happen in those really heavy fighting you know things like loot and pillage things like reaper mm -hmm. um people really like those missions and and even ley lines and power struggle are like two of the fightiest objective missions too because mm -hmm. um you know power struggle only has four objectives and they're more valuable at the end of the game so winning the fights is more like winning round four you can lose round one and two and win round four and you win, you know? So, right. um, so the, the chonkier warband has sort of a lot more power there than they have in most objective missions. So that was kind of an interesting trend. I think that that's kind of a trend with the U S meta in general, as a lot of U S tournament directors kind of choose more, Hey, let's get in our, get in each other's faces and punch stuff types of missions and a lot of the best players in the u.s uh also tend to lean towards killing stuff as as their default plan as well and so um yeah i think that that's a really interesting kind of kind of trend line and mm -hmm. would that have been the case if with another random set of missions maybe not but but that's what we got. And it wasn't random because it was, you know, based on an American TO kind of choosing those things. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Now I played against two of the top three lists that mm -hmm. had Brugits in them. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, both Peter's mm -hmm. list had a Brugit and Justin Orton's list had a Brugit. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, neither of them made any difference in the game in terms of really? the outcome. Um, yeah, now Brugit used their stuff, but I avoided those models like the plague. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I wasn't going to yeah, get yeah. near them to, to, to <laughs> have them use those extra attacks on me. 
And so, mm-hmm. and then by the time that those models did catch up with my guys and needed to fight, they were out of range of Bruget because they kind of ran him. So they were kind of non-factors in both of the games I played. Now, I lost both of those games. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I lost both of those games, but it wasn't um, it wasn't because of Bruget for sure. It was not because of Bruget. In okay. fact, I thought that they were kind of a waste of points. Interesting. Okay. That's really cool. I mean, I had not heard that at all from uh, from the people piloting. So that's really interesting. Um, and maybe part of it is because they were talking to me and the Bruget is very, very relevant if you're playing against mm. a Chimera, which is what I had. Because mm-hmm. um, the whole point of the Chimera, you're paying 500 points. That thing better be able to go anywhere it wants on the board without fear, right? And so having those Brugits um can turn any of your sort of bigger pieces into something that the chimera has to actually be scared of um so maybe they're just like specifically good against what i was running so i thought about them more but um but that's interesting to hear that they were kind of non-factors against you and you said how many models did you say you had in your uh, bone splitter list I had seven, so I had four bone or okay. five bone splitters and two iron jaws in there, right? And the iron sure. jaw was um, the brute boss with the big choppa and the um, gore grunta with the gore haka. And um, so let me talk about Peter's match that I played. This is the last match of the day, the one that ended up getting him into third place. Um, He's second, actually, or second place, second place. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. and second place. Um, we played, and it was his Nettas that won him the game, not the Brugia. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And I made a crucial mistake in activating, and, and to his credit, he put me in a spot where I needed to make a very critical decision of which models to activate, and I mm-hmm. chose to activate my big boss with a Rampage that took his Squig Hopper down to 1 HP right just like the big boss went in and just like wrecked house with his squig hopper but what that allowed him to do was use his netta on my gorgrunta and then they went and left and capped the objective had i moved my gorgrunta first those both of those nettas would have died because one had one hp and the other one only had eight more like both of them would have died um and And because I didn't do it, he won activation the next turn after he netted it. He netted the dude again and then skedaddled, right? And so my Gorgrunta was left, not even being able to contend an objective for two rounds on the corner of a board. So he effectively rendered my Gorgrunta completely a non-factor in that game. Um, But had he been able to kill those two goblins with the nets, he would have been able to then the next turn... um, use a charge and get up and contest the middle objective, which would have completely changed the dynamic of the game, you know? And so, um, again, it was to his credit. He, he put me in a hard position where I had to choose between two different things. Um, but again, the brew get not a factor, right? He put it, Mm -hmm. I think he put it on his squig hopper at one point, but his squig hopper couldn't get over to me enough to like do it. And then by that time, the squig hopper hopper had outflown Bruget's influence and um, never kind of came back into play. So yeah, I mean, it was more his netas that won that game for sure. hundred percent, you know? So yeah, I thought that was interesting. 
Yeah, that is interesting. Um, so then that's especially interesting because, you know, Pete has said that he likes just having as many abilities as possible because, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a weaker player just won't play around them and, and that's fine. Then he gets to use them to their maximum kind of ability, right? And that Bruget then gets to start blowing things up. Or um, he gets to sort of players who kind of are more savvy about the abilities will then be feel really constrained about what they can do and then be kind of paralyzed and forced into awkward choices because of all those abilities on the board. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. He doesn't like to even have a single fighter that doesn't have a compelling ability on it, um, which is cool because that's a really different uh, approach than than how I generally build my list. So it's cool to see that and and uh, interesting to hear from you saying that it's just really hard to play against. So yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely those negatives. So and then the the other person I lost to was Justin Orton, right? Who ended up mm-hmm. taking third. Um, yep. He had two gut lords and two brugets. Well, against bone spurs, brugit doesn't even matter. I mean, like those gut lord. If a gut lord catches up with a bone yeah. splitter, like that yeah. bone splitter is dead. Like it doesn't right. matter if it's a savage big. Well, the savage big boss might be able to take one hit from him, but. Right. You know, like one one um, activation, but all my other guys, whether they're toughness four or toughness three, it doesn't matter because the dude's got strength six, you know, and he's like yeah. five ten damage. So, um, you know, you're you're pretty much gonna guaranteed to take fifteen damage, if not twenty to thirty, <laughs> you know. So, and fifteen <laughs> yeah, damage yeah. kills my guys, right? Fifteen damage kills them right on the nose. So, right. Um, he, I was lifting models um, in that game quite a bit. And that was unfortunately yeah. Reaper, you know, and that was the Reaper And that game. does kind of assume he never rolls a one or a two. I do think, you know, 15 mm-hmm. damage, uh, you know, if you do hit, hit, miss, right, with just three dice. That's true. I mean, that should happen all the time. I mean, maybe it never happened against you. Um, but in theory, that should happen all the time, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, you're really wishing you had put on that Brugit buff. But um, but yeah, it sounds like in in your game maybe he he just didn't roll a lot of ones and twos, and so <laughs> you were dead no matter what you did. Yeah, and I mean, like he did a really good job of hiding all of his little um, goblins and grots in mm-hmm. a corner, and with the way that the terrain was, there were two entrances to this little fence enclosure that he had, and he basically put a gut lord on each one of them. And it was like, get through my gut lords. And it was like, not happening. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh-huh. um, it, you know, we were talking, Justin Orton and I were talking about, like, what could I have done to win that game? And honestly, like, we don't know. Like, like mm-hmm. we were trying to play different things. And it was just like, you just have to run away from these guys because you're not, like, going to win a points battle. Or you just go all in and wound them way down and just, have a whole bunch of guys die and then the next round you take one but then you also have to kill a grot the next time it just was really really that was a really really tough matchup for my bone splitters against two gut lords right so reaper in um, particular the biggest fighter on the board tends to dominate um it's Mm -hmm. really hard to win reaper if you don't have the biggest fighter on the board um which justin knows that i think that was a big part of why he took gut lords is because yeah uh, they're the best pure combat model in the game other than a tyrant. And 
unless your opponent specifically is bringing a tyrant, uh, the gut lord does the exact same job for what is it, thirty-five fewer points? Um, just right. like a ridiculous points uh, savings off of the tyrant. So unless you're specifically fighting against uh, the one thing that can beat a gut lord one on one, yeah, it just completely it dominates everything for a really reasonable price. And then you still get to have the, the fact that he was able to put a list together. I actually love his list. Um, two gut Lords it's really good. and then nine fighters. Um, Cause nine yeah. fighters giving you didn't end up mattering all that much because we didn't have that many objective missions, but in the first um, in the first game, that he played, he played against Graveguard Spam, Soul Blight Grave Lords. Now, uh, mm-hmm. he told me, and his opponent also told me that uh, his opponent said that he, not Justin, but the Justin's opponent, um, was sort of a little bit unconfident with his list and couldn't play fast enough to get to round four. And uh, mm-hmm. and they both said that had they played a round four, the Graveguard, that resurrection ability, the attrition there would have actually uh, won it for Soulblight Gravelords. But oh, interesting. if Justin hadn't been able to have nine fighters in his list, he wouldn't have scored enough objective points uh, for that to be the thing. And the game would have yeah. gone faster, you know, just the extra activations. And so um, it's very likely that he would not have won without managing to count to nine there. So I think it was really smart, um, you know, just smart list building there to, to find a way to put that much beef in your list and still have that many fighters. Um, it's just really, really quality stuff. And then, uh, and who knows, right? I mean, it could have been Justin being kind and saying that, his opponent totally would have won if they'd had another round. I mean, who knows what those gut lords would have would have been able to do. Of course, you know, the resurrections on Soul Blight are nothing to to laugh at, so maybe it would have mattered, but who knows, right? Yeah, I mean, that first mission that we had, you had six objectives to cover down on, and if the Soul Blight uh, were able to take out... Oh, was it only four? Sorry, I thought it was Oh, uh, yeah, Power Struggle, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Um mm-hmm. But even so, even with four, like if you were able to take out a couple of the grots, because he had two gut lords, two brugets, bushwhacka, right? They could throw out the trap, and mm-hmm. then the rest were just little grots. Um, right. If if you're able to take out even like three or four of those little grots, and sure your your dude dies, but you get a resin later. I mean, that could totally tip the balance for some of those uh, objectives, mm-hmm. right? Totally tip the yeah. balance, and so. Um, I don't know. Maybe he, I, I, you know, Justin's not, I mean, he is a nice guy and I'm sure he, he doesn't want to speak ill of anybody. Right. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that, um, he would, you know, just basically say like, oh yeah, he totally would have beat me unless it were, you know, potentially the case. So. Sure. Sure. You know. But either way, I do think that the, the way he built his list is why he was able to weather the storm against yep. Graveguard yep. spam, because that's something that, you know, that's, he essentially played against the list that is dominating every single European tournament. Um, and he maybe wasn't playing an expert on that list, but he still won. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really like that. And he won on the type of mission that those Soul Blight lists are known for dominating. So, um, right. yeah, if you're interested in Ogres and you have access to 
both of the Underworlds warbands for Ogres, one of which is out of print. But if you have access to it uh, and you are interested in Ogres, I think that uh, that list that Justin played is is a really, really good uh, starting point. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, I mean, that is, it was a buzzsaw for me to try to get mm-hmm. through, especially on Reaper. So it was, it was yeah. an excellent list and he's an excellent player with it too, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's in the hands of someone extremely capable. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, we do need to talk about the champ here, right? The person who won it <laughs> sure. all? Sure. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. so. Um, yeah. Dan I was Herrera, really who took first to come place. away with yes. it. Um, I, Yeah. I, I'm really happy about it. Uh, I'm definitely going to celebrate by taking a couple god-awful weird lists to a couple tournaments here uh, just in two weeks in Madison and then again um, kind of locally. Uh, but yeah, I I didn't really... It's a list that had already done really well in a British tournament. My only, you know, quote unquote innovation or change was to uh, cut two plague bearers for a Nurglings. And okay. um, I liked that setup. I thought my Nurglings were probably my MVP, um, or at least my pound for pound MVP. Uh, my uh, Obviously, the Chimera itself is just very silly. Uh, in round three, it single handedly tabled my opponent. Um, none of my other fighters got a kill, but the Chimera took out one thousand or nine hundred and ninety points of models. Um, oh, he just ate lunch. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't belong in the game. Is is what I'll mm-hmm. say. Um, and so it just needs to get out of there. I think there's a lot of ways. If you build specifically to beat Chimeras, you will be favored against my list that I that I won the tournament with. Um, you know, I I kind of showed in a video how it was losing a lot in testing. It lost to a Karadron Overlords list in testing. It lost to a Stormcast list in testing. And I actually published both of those battle reports. But if you haven't built specifically to beat it, it will just on its own it will deal with all thousand points of your list. And so uh, that is something that shouldn't be in the game, in my opinion. And, you know? and the hard thing too, is that if you build specifically to that list, you're neglecting the other lists that are out there. You're neglecting the mm-hmm. iron jaws list that could come at you. You're neglecting the, um, you're neglecting the graveguard spam that could be coming at you. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to, plan for all of the different types of lists and still account for the chimera that's such a beast on the table still even with the points increase yeah yeah that's a good point i mean my stormcast list that beats my chimera it would have a really tough time with with graveguard spam i think Mm -hmm. um on any objective mission so yeah I, i think i agree with you there that uh it's hard to it's hard to take one out and have a lot of room left over um you know i did play against two opponents who were pretty prepared for it and um you know you got to get a little lucky to to go two and zero against against opponents who were prepared for for what you're doing but um but man if the opponent isn't prepared it's just not it's not good gameplay it's just it's yeah. not a good place for the game to be in so uh, i'll probably be shelving my chimera i'm looking 
towards other things I can do with those points. Um, I'd have to cut my Nurglings, but like two Fomoroid Crushers could be, uh, they come out to 520 points and the Chimera is 515. Yeah. I think playing with two FOMO Crushers could be really fun. Um, there's a few different things I might I was, do in Nurgle, but yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed with the Beasts of Nurgle. Um, one of our mm. friends out here played with them and they've got a double that will do the damage of the ability and give you a bonus disengage move. Yep. It's like yeah, it licks you and good. then walks away, right? Which is yeah, yeah. so good, you know, because then uh -huh. it can do damage on a charge as well, right? Yeah. So, yep. um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the beat, the the little beast of chaos were were um, were pretty good. Um, I, I have to ask you this: your motivation to take a Chimera was that just based on? purely based on your testing you said sure this is the one that i i want to do or did you want to kind of bring it to show like hey this is still kind of uh this is still kind of a thing even though with the points increase and everybody says it's nerfed or did you like did you kind of want to did you have an agenda i guess with your list a little bit to maybe show gw that like hey like you still didn't get this 100 percent yeah so I mean that's a good that's a good question because I do think that that was part of it. Um, as I said, it, it lost every game in testing. Um, now I was testing yeah. it against lists designed to beat it, but um, but it did lose every time. The issue was, you know, I had just seen it take three and one at your tournament, you know, in a different faction, mm -hmm. but still, yep. um, and then win a British tournament, and this was post nerf, and. You know, a lot of people were posting on my testing videos saying you should take the Chimera anyway. Uh, some of them were my eventual opponents, and they showed up with anti-Chimera lists, which was a little bit <laughs> funny. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, I did kind of, I was curious. And I had worked so hard on it, and I never got to take it to a tournament yeah. when it was, um, like, at its peak when it was only 390 yeah. points and so part of it was feeling like i had some unfinished business part of it was like you said trying to prove a point um you know all of that was definitely definitely part of the whole reason why i did it and uh you know obviously it worked out and obviously i i do think even though again there are very much ways to beat it i think there were list that i would have been unfavored against but um man I, I do think games workshop has some more to do with that one yeah more work I, to do. on monsters in general to be honest but yeah the chimera especially yeah it's funny because i kind of i mean this might be a bit of a spicy take but i kind of feel like monsters belong in narrative you know what i mean like yeah, um Make it so you can go capture a monster and they can bring it in your narrative game and, you know, where your other opponent maybe gets to bring 1,250 points instead of just 1,000. And that kind of yep. helps even things out, you know. Yep. Um, I just feel like in a competitive tournament, it just is out of whack. It's out of balance um, in terms of the rest of the stuff. And I think you proved that. I think, you like, unless other people are bringing chimeras as well or chimera hunting... And, and I, you have to say this directly, Chimera hunting lists. It's not just monster hunting lists. It's Chimera hunting lists. 
um, yeah. it, they're going to struggle. They're going to, you know, and, and it, it feels a little off. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I know personally, I don't begrudge you for taking it. I would too. There's no reason why you shouldn't have. Um, and I think that it, it proved an interesting point about how powerful that thing still is. Um, because on paper, like, you know, going up against some of the lists you went up against, like you should not have won, but like that thing mm -hmm. is just such a beast. Yeah. that it's just going to rip through units and fighters, you know? And, and uh, the only, the only list that the Camaro lost to in our tournament. And we talked about this was the Caradron overlords because there was like six objectives and they all got the fight for profit and they were just shooting the crap out of that thing, you know, yeah. and KO, they didn't have to. Yeah. KO are uniquely good against chimeras, I think. And mm -hmm. personally, they're my pick for best faction in the game right now. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think they're they're very very good. Uh, the the one KO player who showed up um, had the bad luck of playing an Iron Jaws opponent who could just you messing them on an objective mission, and they just got yeah. you messing out of getting any points, um, which is like that is one of the few Achilles heels of of KO is like if you come in with all toughness five in an objective mission with you messing you know it'll take them a couple rounds to start really chewing through you and then uh they can take out all the objectives that way so yeah um but man they laugh chimeras off the board i agree i mean yeah. you know one of my battle reports was the chimera losing to a caradron overlords list and you know those arcanauts you can you can bog the chimera down for 50 points, right? You can get on every objective. You can shoot at it from pretty far away. You just, you have all the tools you'd want to take a chimera yeah. out in, uh, in KO. So I wasn't surprised that it lost to the KO list in, uh, in your tournament. And I'm glad I didn't face the KO player in our tournament, but, um, yeah. but you're right. Most of the time you just, you have so much going for you when you run it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Now, um, so you took number one. We talked about Peter. We didn't talk about Peter's list. Now he had probably the soupiest destruction list yep. um, that you can have, right? Because technically yep. you can have two allies, but with the Gabapalooza and him taking Gloom Spike gets, it definitely felt like he had way more allies. So he yep. had a um, And he had a trog too. Yeah, exactly. So he had um a Trogoth, a Squig Hopper, he had a Bruget. Um, there was he a had Mega like, Boss in there. There was a Mega Boss. He had two Nettas, and then he had um, uh, what a Sour Tongue. Um, it's like yep. another Netta. Yep. Right. A uh, so, Sour Tongue is actually a crazy. Oh, he's an underworld. Right? Um, he's the fanatic. But he's oh yeah, yeah, that's the, right. The uh, the underworld's fanatic, who's a little bit better than the base fanatics. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So he had him too. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So I mean, you you looked at it and it, you're like, this is probably the soupiest action there, um, just because yep. he's he was pulling from from thralls, from allies, from you know, like underworld as yeah. well. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, I think the only the only model that he had in there that was like actually not unique um yeah not not like that was actually from gloom swipe gets where's the squig hoppa boss and then two nettas yep. like and he had something like eight or nine uh units or something like that you know so um yeah i think he's done sweet. the most 
I think Pete's done the most work uh, tinkering with that archetype, mm-hmm. with that Gloom Spike Gets Soup archetype. Um, I actually really like Mike's list, who was in fifth place for a uh, somewhat wilder, more Trog-themed <laughs> Gloom Spike yeah. Gets. But um, I also appreciated Peter kind of uh, let me know. I had put on a video that I think Rocket Tragos are way better than Fellwaters. And point-for-point mm. point efficiency, there's reasons to say that, but I think he pointed out to me some interesting reasons why I'm wrong as far as um, the noxious vomit might not seem very good, but just having the ability to uh, do it if you just accidentally roll high on a double and now all of a sudden it's much more useful than Onslaught would be at the yeah. same you know, at the same ability dice value uh, was really interesting. And I think he proved his point, right? I mean, he did really well. So... Um, and getting that 10 points, you know, he found really effective, especially, you know, the, the 10 points he found there. And then he also shaved five points by turning a Netta into Prague, which is funny because Prague's yeah. stat line is better than a Netta's stat line anyway. Yeah, right, um, right. So he was like really figuring it out, really min-maxing every single point available to him to kind of spend it on the most effective pound for pound things he could find mm-hmm. and uh, it was really impressive so what's interesting is um peter came to our tournament um way back in like june of last year before the nova open right mm-hmm. and like handily won with his gets list yeah and then nova happens but of course you remember two, two weeks ago said there's not going to be any more rules changes when 2.0 dropped with all the points updates with all of the revampings with all the reactions that it did two point two weeks before nova not enough time to really test out a bunch of lists he came (laughs) his update gets list but it not perform very well at all at nova because it just wasn't very proven and he really didn't find those g's that he really likes um, now flash forward to Adepticon and, and you know, he found those synergies and he really kind of knows how to use that list to its advantage. It's got movement. It's got board mm-hmm. control. It's got hitting power. You know, like, um, like you said, he likes to have a mo- models do everything that he needs them to do. Kind of a Swiss army yeah. knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's a real testament really to what can, what can be possible when you, um, spend a ton of time on one faction and try to figure out everything that's possible within that faction. Because um, mm-hmm. like you said, I remember his list at Nova. I mean, he did win his first two rounds and then he started struggling against other people who had also won two games. Um, you know, like you kind of mm-hmm. hit a glass ceiling. And at that point, he was really building around the reaction and trying to maximize the reaction to teleport the not teleport, but, you know, like really just supercharge the squigs into combat. But then he was finding that the squigs wouldn't actually win every combat. Uh, So he'd like throw them into combat with the reaction. The opponent can't do anything about it. Now there's a squig in their face. But uh, sometimes the thing you throw the squig into actually, you know, it's like you're not trapped. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me, Mr. Squig. Uh, Right. And so that would... That'd be a bit of an issue for him, but now you know he found a really nice configuration where where he doesn't have to worry about that. And of course, you know they nerfed the gloom spike gets reaction that 
that he was finding wasn't that special anyway. And then mm-hmm. uh, they buffed Madcap Destruction, which gave some real, some more oomph to his squigs. And I think also really played into his playstyle because he loves having as many abilities, as many good abilities as, as are possible to access. Um, so that was kind of cool to see. He did have a Bolt Boy boss in that list as well. Again, like yep. we're going like full on, you know, destruction soup. So he pulled from yep. Iron Jaws, Cruel Boys, you know, Destruction Thralls, Gobapalooza. I mean, he had five different factions playing in there. Seven, if you and count how do you beat his models, list right? on Reaper, right? Because his he can yeah. set his whole he can have his whole list run away from you, and then if you overextend to attack it he can just he can hit you with the bolt boy boss so that you have to come to him right he can just Mm -hmm. stand there shooting you with the bolt boy boss you have to come to him you spend activations closing the distance and then he just hammers you with the you know with the trog and the mega boss and then the squig actually you come forward to him and then the squig bounces past your hammers to then clean up all your chaff because the squig will just go like whoop, you know, and get around you. So I don't know how you ever beat this list in Reaper. You know, like like you had the situation against Justin, like where you were looking by and being like, I don't know what was even possible here. I uh, I think the same would be true for most lists against Peter's list. I think that um, as a Reaper setup, because of specifically the Bolt Boy boss, I don't know how how you ever beat it. Sorry, I think I'm having a te- technical Oh no. Okay. All right. We're back. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll so. edit this part too. Dude, it is weird, <laughs> that's weird that, like, if yours went that, like, it, like, the sound cut out on my thing, you know, it's so weird. So, anyway. Well, we'll okay. see how much of so, my uh, uh, rant about how good Peter's list is in Reaper. We'll see how much of that made it to the yeah. uh, final recording, but yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, Dan, are there any other lists that kind of made some highlights for you um, in the grand tournament? I know we kind of talked about the top three. Uh, we talked about Mike's list. Now, he had an interesting gets list that was based on the Molog's um, kind of tragus right group and mm-hmm. it did pretty good that was a very board control heavy he would shoot the spores out and it would debuff quite a bit and then he kind of go yep. in and clean so um it was it was a very good uh very good list um and he got fifth place i think right yeah yeah Molog's cool he's you know when he stands next to a brugit he's basically uh he's like a little worse than a gut lord but he makes up for it with all those abilities if that's what your playstyle is which is kind of cool yeah um i also don't want to spend a ton of time on him but there were a couple uh flesh eater courts chosen of the king lists 
in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And it definitely made me think that Chosen of the King is a pretty good ability and, and worth, you know, it's the new way. I think it's the new way to build Flesh Eater Courts now. Um, you used to usually yeah. lean towards the Flyers. And I think now, um, I know that that's what uh, Jason plays when he plays Flesh Eater Courts. He always has mm -hmm. some horrors who use Chosen of the King in there. And uh, and some people did well with it at this tournament. And I think, you know, that's that's a really strong way to play it. Yep. Yeah, I um I played a um cruel boys list my first round and mm -hmm. um I will say this, I knew the power of the bolt boy boss both against Peter and the this other player that I played the first round and I was able to shut down the bolt boy boss by basically just getting up in its quill and staying there. Um yep. And once I did that, that threat, like just not having that threat on the board opened up a lot of things. I feel like people who play the boy boss, it's usually like one of their main legs of their three-legged stool, you know, like yeah. that they're sitting on. And if you, you can take all of a sudden they're having a hard, hard time sitting a stool now, you know, mm -hmm. um, yep. because they're just not used to it being taken away. They're used to being able to get those shots off and, chipping away at people or outright killing some chaff or something like that. Um, yeah. And if you can, if you can just tie that up, um, they get very hyper-focused on not being able to utilize that bolt boy boss and to the detriment of the rest of the game. Um, and that was kind of, I mean, I saw Peter, he had to basically give up on the bolt boy boss and then focus on other yep. things and none of what helped him win the game because I saw him on one being like, okay, how am I going to like work this guy? And then, in round two is like the game he he almost kept it hidden under a uh the, the thing he used it for in our game was to get it up on high ground to get the get the secondary objective you know yeah. like that's what he ended up mm -hmm. using that for the whole game <laughs> against us yeah. you know so um and so i don't that, think that's my caution bosses with the are great is on I, objective I think it's missions. super easy to shut it down mm -hmm. yeah 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 because it's going to if it's going to yeah. count on an objective for you in an objective mission, then it's going to be in a place where the opponent is incentivized to rush it down anyway, because they want to be scoring points, right? And mm -hmm. so it, it is awkward for those missions, but what it gives you in the other missions is so powerful that, that it can still be worth it. You just, you definitely don't want to be relying on it as your main damage source. Um, a buddy of mine right. plays Cruel Boys and, um, wins a lot with it but he said the bolt boy boss is never worth it in a pure cruel boys list for him because he's much more interested in having his expensive models be like up with the gut rippers to use the gut ripper reaction because gut rippers can give a bigger fighter a free attack uh so you basically mm -hmm. lose a gut ripper action to get a free attack for a big fighter well that doesn't work with a bolt boy boss. So the bolt boy boss right. is almost a better ally than it is a, um, you know, an actual leader in cruel boys. Yeah. Yeah. And look with three attacks, even, even hitting, a, even critting on four. I mean, critting on four is scary, but three attacks, uh, you're going to miss with two or three of those every time you roll the, roll the dice, you know? So, um, well, you want to be, hitting on you wars, be cleaning right? up so. chaff models, right? Which is 
yeah more of why it's so good in hunter missions but in uh in objective missions you might you know you might need the thing you might need to kill might be something big so um yeah, yeah that can be tough uh, the other list that I ended up playing was a pure Iron Jaws list. It had like a Mega Boss, a Brute Boss, of um, Ard Boys, and stuff like that. Um, I like the I like the um, Bone Splitters guys. Or the, mm-hmm. the Chaff models better than Ard Boys. I feel like Ard Boys are a little expensive. Yeah, sure. They've got um, they've got uh, the. Uh, Toughness, higher toughness than the than the bone splitters, but they both have 15 wounds. So uh, I felt like point for point, the bone splitters are a better yeah. chaff model than Ard Boys. Um, the deciding factor in that game was the brute's base or the mega boss's base size. He tried to come at me where my dude had a treasure and he was about an uh-huh. inch away. And he went through, there was two walls that were angled kind of 90 degrees with a space in between mm-hmm. and, and like a little um, makeshift bridge that they put over. And the guy's like, okay, I'm going to go through there. And I'm like, uh, I don't think you can go through there. That's not an archway, technically. Those are two walls standing yeah. there. And, you know, you can, it, base size doesn't matter for archways and doors, but that is a, a an obstacle, technically. And so yeah. he had to go around and it dramatically affected how well he was able to get into combat and and fight and my brute boss went toe to toe with him for two rounds because of that, you know? So, uh, so I just um, realized you only played against destruction the whole day. (laughs) That's so true. Isn't that wild? (laughs) It was just destruction all day. I think our tournament was just very destruction heavy. Um, I just think, yeah, everyone wanted to play something, something kind of dumb and stompy. Um, although Gloomspite aren't dumb and stompy and neither are KBZ. So I guess, yeah, People were just vibing with that with that faction. Um, Do you feel like yeah. it's because Destruction is the strongest Warcry alliance right now? No, I don't. No, okay. I don't think it. I don't think they are. I think they're good, but I don't yeah. think that they're the strongest. Um, I think. What is the strongest? Uh, I mean, again, I do think that. Well, okay, I think Ko are the strongest faction. So I guess that means I think order is yeah. the strongest, but I think it's really about KO being the strongest yeah. more than order. Um, and yeah. uh, man, people don't really mess with horns of Hashut much because they're so ugly. But horns of Hashut are so good. I think horns of Hashut are amazing. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're talking about doing a bespoke um, tournament in May, and you better mm-hmm. believe my horns of Hashut are coming out for that one you know? <laughs> yeah so yeah, yeah um, you better believe it so yeah because um, that triple on the flamethrower is so absurd it's so absurd nobody nobody plays it but like uh someone did it's horns have won a few tournaments at this point um none of them in the u.s because everyone every american just thinks every american hates the, the horns aesthetic it seems like but um but yeah, they've won a few tournaments overseas at this point uh, because they're just so good. Oh no, we're having yeah. more yeah. Uh, more headphone so, issues. I uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. In fact, um, we were going to talk about the narrative uh, campaign that we did the day after, but I had already told the Dogs of Warcry that I was going to bring them on to like 
running sort of came. So I think we'll saw uh, we'll save that um, segment for another day where we can yeah. um, really dive into the, the narrative stuff. Suffice it to say, it was an amazing narrative event. So much fun happened during that thing. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that later, but Dan, again, sorry for all the technical issues on our podcast tonight, but I'm glad that we were able to talk bone splitters. I'm glad we we're able to talk Adepticon. Uh, it's yeah. really interesting after some of these big tournaments to see kind of what the meta is and what the people are in. It, it goes into what we had talked about, um, to, I guess our, our cast where, you know, this is like an emerging, meta like 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 Warcry is kind of in its merging phase where people are really kind of discovering it and, and flexing on different things and so to see that instruction people there at Adepticon is very interesting and see at Nova open right hopefully uh or the Atlantic City open I know they're planning to run a big Warcry tournament there um I think it'll be interesting to see there's going to be a shift in their order or you know, or, or we'll see more chaos on the table. So, um, very interesting. Um, I think it'll be interesting long if they'll keep the two allies list, because I think that that lends to more of the soupiness that we're kind of seeing across mm-hmm. the board and, you know, and that could change things quite a bit. So, but again, it's all emerging and it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to participate in and play against and, um, just kind of see how it unfolds. Um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for breaking all this stuff down with me. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's always fun to yeah. kind of think about it almost a month after it happened, you know, and and kind of go through it there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all thank right. you everybody yes, for listening night. tonight. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully in our post post uh, edit production, we'll be able to clean this up a little <laughs> bit. And uh, but if you realize that, you know, we have some struggles you know hopefully it'll be okay so thank you so much for listening everybody and have a great night